106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. That's the whole point. You have to decide now that you'll fight. You can't wait until you're on the ground, okay, with your ribs broken, okay, and your face smashed in. I had a gal come to Texas, and you'll like this because this is funny. This is a good example of, like, what we're dealing with today. She came, pulled up in the parking lot, nice lady, very pleasant, very pleasant looking, okay, you know, very Texas, okay, you know, like a bouffant hairdo and long nails and diamonds and all that shit. Nice lady, okay, very Texas, very Texas. And on the back of her car, she had, like, a Save the Whales and Walter Mondale and a fucking, yeah, all that shit, and they're going like, oh, God, I can't believe it, Okay. So, like, it's a nice lady, and so, you know, like, I, you know, my job's not to question, my job is to teach. So, we're teaching about day two, and I go, like, just out of curiosity, you came here because? She goes, well, I was in the big mall in San Antonio, went out to the parking garage, and when I did, three guys jumped me and beat the shit out of me and took all my shit, okay? And I had to have seven facial reconstruction surgeries, okay, to put her face back together. So, as soon as I got out of the hospital, I got a gun. So, hell hath no fury like the ass-kicked liberal. All we need to do is beat the shit out of every one of them, and they'll all get a gun. Right now, they expect someone else to come and save them. I hate the police. Great. Mm, I'm protesting. I hate the police. I hate the police. I hate the police. I go back down the street three blocks, okay? My car's broken into. Who do I call? Fire department? Yeah, someone broke in my car and stole all my CDs. No, you're going to call the cops that you're just going, I hate cops. I hate Good, here's the thing. I want you to take your checkbook out and write a check for what it would be worth for you to have someone in your house to go down the hallway and clear it when you think someone's in the house at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's a big-ass check, okay? Are all cops perfect? No, we have Catholic priests who butt-fuck little kids. Why would I worry about cops being perfect, okay? Remember, if there were 100 people that graduated from orthopedic surgery school, someone came in last. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> You get it? I just don't want you to be last. Uh, uh, Cosmo, can you? Uh, okay, you're checked in. Yeah, thank you. Here's your AIDS ribbon. Uh, no, thanks. You don't want to wear an AIDS ribbon? Uh, no, no. But you have to wear an AIDS ribbon. I have to? Yes. Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to. But everyone wears the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. What you are? You're a ribbon bully. Hey! <laughs> Hey, where's your ribbon? Oh, I don't wear them. You don't wear the ribbon? Aren't you against AIDS? Yeah, I'm against AIDS. I mean, I'm walking, aren't I? I just don't wear the ribbon. Who do you think you are? Put the ribbon on. Hey, Cedric, Bob, this guy won't wear a ribbon. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? <laughs> so, what's it going to be? Are you going to wear the ribbon? No. Oh, never. But I'm wearing the ribbon. He's wearing the ribbon. We are all wearing the ribbon. So why aren't you going to wear the ribbon? This is America. I don't have to wear anything I don't want to wear. What are we going to do with him? I huh? guess we're just going to have to teach him to wear the ribbon. <laughs> Oh,
Well, all right, here we go again. <clears throat> this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No, no Hostages Radio. And this is our episode 65, and it will air on the 27th of June. Lord willing <clears throat> that I can get through this and we get all the technical bugs out and slick it up so it sounds like I'm a really sharp guy. And um, hopefully you'll enjoy it. I got a little crick in my throat. Some people think I'm unprofessional when I get a crick in my throat, but it's just part of life, right? You get a crick in your throat. You get COVID, you get a crick in your throat, you get cancer. I got a couple of my friends right now <clears throat> have cancer, and they don't even get a statistic on the damn uh, Appeal Democrat. Like, they got cancer. Like, let's, why don't we put all the cancer patients on there? One of my friends died of an overdose at the Motel 6 a week and a half ago. Heroin. He didn't get any a statistic named after him. Oh, we have another COVID statistics. These people are the ones that can't give it to others. And these people that are sick and these people that are hospitalized, who cares? Who cares? My friends who got cancer, I'm concerned about them. I'm concerned about people that are being allowed to die of heroin. Did you know that the governor of this state mandated that all AA and NA meetings be shut down in the state. Do you think that's helping anybody? Anybody. You think that's helping the most fragile population, the addicts, recovering addict population, making them stay in their houses, the most idiotic. And California, I think, is one of five Democrat-led states that when elderly people are diagnosed with covid they put them in a nursing home, and that's where all your deaths have been happened. If you don't think there's evil intentions behind all this, I don't know whether there's any hope for you. I just don't know whether there's any hope for you at all. Oh, my goodness. No hostages radio. So you can reach me at Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. Email me there, Lou at No Hostages Radio. I don't take any other business there but this. If you want to give me a suggestion or cuss me out, I don't really care. Uh, or if you want to send me something you think is interesting I missed, I'm always looking for help. Um, you can go to our website as well. And <clears throat> if you're listening to this on your podcast source, the title, of course, is No Hostages Radio. But if you want to listen to it on the website, it's nohostagesradio.com. <clears throat> and on that <clears throat> site are all the uh, past episodes, as well as about, oh, I don't know, 126 articles or 100 and, 130 articles now that we've written about various topics, cultural, political topics affecting sometimes a nation, sometimes the world, some, a lot of times in Northern California where I reside. In Northern California, Yuba County is where I'm sitting tonight. It's hot up here. Too hot. It's just too... There's times I I want to tell God, I don't know what the point of this is. It's just too darn hot right now. Can't even sleep. So I got me some a blended ice orange drink that I'm trying to like... It's Since they can't come up with medical meth yet, you know, they had medical weed. 
Then they got beyond that, and they just legalized everything. Then I think next is medical meth. Now, I might be interested in that because I run short of energy sometime. And the doctor told me, don't be drinking those energy drinks. He probably wouldn't like medical meth either. So this is a – we do six 20-minute segments with some uh, educational clips in between. So we'll be here for – my talk usually is about a couple hours worth of different uh, discourses on current events. So – I get this magazine because I support the National Rifle Association, the NRA. And usually in one of the first few pages, they they tell some stories of armed. It just says at the top, the armed citizen. And tell stories about people that defended themselves. In a good, and so the point is, good thing to have a weapon around if you ever need it. Says a 21-year-old man wearing a gray hoodie and black ski mask hit another man with his car on March 7 in the Walmart parking lot and proceeded to beat the man with a baseball bat after he ran into him. Witnessing the attack, an armed bystander drew his firearm, caused, causing the assailant to get back into his vehicle and drive away. The assailant was initially able to avoid police, but was later arrested and charged with attempted murder. Um, okay, life was saved. Here's here's a one. There's a bunch of them. I don't want to take a lot of time, but uh, this is an interesting one because they're elderly couple. A gal and her fiance. How about that? An elderly woman fatally shot a 19 year old intruder about 12:45 a.m. They were like lollygagging pretty late. That elderly couple. After the intruder had attacked her fiance, the lady just pulled a gun out and whacked that dude. The couple was asleep. Uh oh. They were sleeping together in their Fredericksburg, Texas home when they heard a loud banging noise coming from outside. The man, age 73, went to check on the back porch and upon encountering the intruder was hit and attacked with a blunt object. The homeowner, the woman, he was sleeping over. They were having a little pajama party. The homeowner was put into a chokehold by the home invader which caused him to lose consciousness. The woman woke up during the fight and asked the intruder to stop whacking her partner, fiancé, but was ignored. He just ignored the lady. According to the Gillespie County Sheriff's Office, she retrieved a handgun from the bedroom, fired one shot. This gal must have been amazing. I don't know what age she was. She fired one shot from a handgun, but the culprit came coming right at her. Fearing for her safety after seeing her unconscious fiancé, she fired a second shot and hit the guy right in the head. Bullseye. Bingo. The male homeowner regained consciousness and called 911, according to the police. I guess the male guy owned the house and she was sleeping over. After transport to the local hospital, the teenager, teenage thug succumbed. For you out in Linda and Oliver, succumbed mean he dropped dead according to his injuries. Okay, there you have it. It's nice to have a weapon around when somebody doesn't want to play nice with you. I wanted to mention uh, before we got got any farther, probably the most important thing you can do this week is to recall Gavin Newsom. You say, say, oh, it's really expensive. He just spent a billion dollars for masks we didn't need, and he spent over $3 a piece and gave 
the business to a big donor of his that gave him $40,000. So now he's given the money back in profits. The amount of money that's being wasted by Gavin Newsom, you won't even be able to count at that high. So recall Gavin Newsom is very simple. I've had two questions. In fact, I just left a prayer meeting where a lady said, Lou, how fast do we got to get these petitions signed? So we started on June 10. We have 160 days, and we, we need to have them done by November 17. That's the last day. So probably they're going to want them in before that. They need to be good signatures. What do I mean by good? They mean that they need to be signatures of registered voters in the state of California. They need to be the name has to be exactly the way it is on their registration form. If they got first, middle and last. No nicknames, you know, another it needs to match. Nobody. Is going to do this for us. Your freedom has been paid for by millions of people ahead of us. Served in the military, served in law enforcement, died in the military, died in law enforcement. Freedom isn't free. It's it's the time of you sitting on your butt watching television or thinking or wishing things could be done at your kitchen table. It it's over. It's way over. It's it's uh fourth down long yardage, couple seconds on the clock. You need to do something. And you need to do a number of things, but one thing everyone can do that's a voting age, 18 and above. You can you can circulate the petition. You can sign the petition. <coughs> so you, you say, where's the petition? This thing is about as easy as you can make it. The last was a pain in the butt. This Recall Gavin 2020, Recall Gavin 2020.com website you can go there you can download or you can print off right off the website the petitions all you need and you can have them signed by your friends and neighbors or even your enemies and then you can just sign it at the bottom and mail it to the desired address at the bottom of the petition very very simple there's people putting up those pop-up tents all over the place and having volunteer signings please do something, either set up some kind of signing system or at least fill out a petition or two and send it in yourself. You can do it right in your own home. Call your best friends. Make sure they get signed. Um, so people need to be registered to vote. So if you can get some registration forms from your local county clerk, they'll give you a handful, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, however many you want. Make sure that you get people to sign up if they're not registered or they need to re-register, change their name, moved, whatever, register them to vote and make sure that registration gets to the county clerk right away. Okay? That makes them the legit signers. Now, everybody can sign. Certainly everybody can sign. And everybody can get 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 people, even if you can get 100, to be awesome. Listen, this isn't hard work. <clears throat> What this is going to do, if we get enough signatures by November 17, 2020, and they and they approve the, the signatures and there's enough to put him on the ballot, then his name goes on the ballot. The questions that put on the ballot that asks, should, should we recall the governor? 
If it's yes, put yes. If it's no, you put no. The question will be something like that. It'll probably be very deceptively written because they're dishonest down at the state capitol, and and uh, Attorney General Becerra is really a criminal uh, type guy, and he's very deceptive, and he's totally political. He does not represent all the people. So uh, anyway, there'll be a question on the ballot: Should we or should we not recall the governor? And then there'll be a second uh, issue on the on the ballot, and that will be. Since you if if this goes through and you do recall the governor, who do you want instead? And there'll be a list of candidates that comes forth and puts their name on that ballot. So if it's a successful recall, then the person who got the most votes is the new governor. That's how it works. It's a two step deal. But you do it all in one ballot. okay? All right. Now, on that. On that website, there's a list of Facebook sites attached to each county. So if you're out in Alameda County, you can you can cut and paste the site of the Facebook page onto your Facebook page on you know so you can get to it and then become a member so you can find out what's going on. So it has a listing for all the counties plus one for an overall Facebook page. So become a member of Facebook of that Facebook uh, page, join, like, do all that kind of stuff and share, right? Get involved in this. We need to, we need everybody getting involved to make this happen. Okay. Now there's been recent things where uh, Gavin Newsom just this week is saying, if you, if the counties don't do everything I say, then I'm going to cut off funding to your counties. Now that's just a dictator. And so, that is not a person that's playing by the rules. I was went in to uh, grab a taco tonight at Jim Boy's to meet a guy, talk to him about his business. And uh, I saw him turning around going back to his office. <clears throat> and I thought, oh, I wonder if they're closed. But I went there, and there was a big sign on the door, masks are mandatory if you want to come in here. Now, that is a damn lie. So I went on in. And he came back with a mask, said, you got to have a mask. I said, no, I don't. It's not mandatory. That's a suggestion at the governor's office and at the health department. And that's a lie. They put those posters out. They're lying to the people. They're deceivers. They're liars and deceivers. I have to look high and low to find an honest leader anymore in two counties, two cities, or the state of California, the federal government, to find an honest transparent leader that didn't play in Mickey Mouse and things around. I, it's very difficult. You need to find out the right information for yourself. I'm going to talk a little bit about masks later. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. If you're still stuck back with masks and saying such thing, well, if you didn't, if you're not going to wear one, you really don't care about people. <clears throat> I'm just going to say this. I'm going to move on, but because there's more details without giving you the, the tiny measurements of how big a virus is and how s- small those little holes are on the mask. Most of you can't hold the numbers in your head anyway, so I'm just going to give you a word picture. You know what a cyclone fence is or a chain link fence? Chain link fence is fairly good around schools at keeping out stray mutts. 
and a stray drunk. If you really want to get one, go over. They're hard to go through, but you can't go over, right? You with me? You with me so far? Putting on a damn mask is like trying to keep the mosquitoes out of the playground by putting a chain link fence around it. Mosquitoes, I think, are fairly adept at flying through the holes on a chain link fence. That's what you have on your face. Now, if you're sold on them and you think you're saving your life, you're just a dang, you're a dang idiot. You're a dang idiot. And I'll cover it some more later if we have time to get into, if you want the numbers, the .125 millimeter or something, right? Those viruses, you know, we were doing a, con, uh, a sex talk at jail, at the Yuba County Jail. And uh, we were talking about sexually transmitted diseases. And she was telling, like, how to put on a condom. We are talking about adult men, and then we had an adult woman talk. And we, so we were talking about putting on a male condom and a female condom, right? How to do that. And then she said, now this is a latex com- condom. And she said, if you so choose to choose a, a lambskin, a real, the skin of a lamb, lambskin condom, supposedly she said they're more pleasurable, but they don't protect you from HIV. It goes right through the side of that lambskin condom. Now, do you think they figured that out on their own? Do you think if you looked at the side of one, you think, oh, yeah, that, I mean, that's 100%. She said that sexually transmitted diseases will go right through the side of that lambskin condom. Think about that. How much do I need, need to do to convince you of that? But people will wrap a damn rag around their face and claim they're stopping all kinds of bugs coming in, coming out. You're just absolutely, it's, it, show, it just shows how stupid people are. It's, it's embarrassing. Now I want to talk a minute about, uh, a little bit about slavery. I, I told you, I, re, I read this article last week. You can listen to the podcast last week. I read my article that I couldn't get written. They couldn't accept it at the Territorial Dispatch. They thought it was too controversial. I was about BLM. I changed the name from Black Lives Matter to Burn, Loot, Murder. I'm not going to call them Black Lives Matter anymore because it isn't anything about black lives. And if you are still feeling bad that you want to go make a sign and join them because... You feel butt hurt for them. You are just the most deceived person I know. They are just a front group that will that will be kicked to the side before long when the bullets start flying serious, and uh, that's what's going to happen. But I I thought you know I'm just going to do the best I can because a lot of people with decent motives just simply are totally confused. And uh, I noticed Terrence Williams. I think I have a clip on the show today where he talks about there isn't anybody living today that was a slave and nobody um, had slaves that's living today. Nobody had slaves. Nobody was a slave. And he said most of the people that came here didn't have slaves anyway. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And uh, so if you want to uh, get a hold of me, you can. And if you want to, uh, 
send an email or give me a shout out. You want to text me, you can text me at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. All right, we're going to take a first break. Now I'm going to talk about where this slavery thing comes came from and who's slaving people today. We'll talk about that for a minute, okay? citizens of America are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Together, we will determine the course of America and the world for many, many years to come. We will face challenges We will confront hardships, but we will get the job done. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government, while the people have borne the cost. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. What truly matters is not which party controls our government, but whether our government is controlled by the people. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. America will start winning again, winning like never before. At the bedrock of our politics will be a total allegiance to the United States of America. And through our loyalty to our country, we will rediscover our loyalty to each other. We must speak our minds openly debate our disagreements honestly, but always pursue solidarity. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. I said what I was going to say, Nancy. We are, we have, I have, when we bring the bill, Provisions in there to pay for the for the impeachment, and then the next step, and the, uh, the whatever you want to call it, the the, the trial. This is a personal service announcement and a public apology to all the brothers and sisters who I am triggering by this news. I want to start off this video by letting everyone know that I do not have a mask. I do not own a mask. I haven't bought a mask and I have no plans to buy a mask. Now, if and when they make wearing masks 
federal law, then I suppose in order not to get locked up, I'll put one of these suckers on as well just so that I won't be harmed by not wearing it. But until then, I've chosen not to. Now, if me not wearing a mask makes you judge me, I forgive you. If me not wearing a mask makes you nervous about your own health, I pray for you. And if me not wearing a mask upsets you, then I want to ask you, why? Why? Isn't it kind of similar to the whole vaccine ar argument, right? People who are mad about people who don't get vaccines, I don't understand because if you got the vaccine and your faith is in the vaccine, then me not having the vaccine should do nothing to you. Why? Isn't that the reason you got the vaccine? Shouldn't I be the one who's nervous if I don't have a vaccine about my own health instead of the people who do because that's why you got it to stay safe? Yes, that's the same way I feel about these masks. Hallelujah. Everyone is right and no one is wrong. But I know one thing. I don't feel like walking around like I'm out of a scene from the purge just because the government told me to and I don't feel no way sick and I'm not no way scared about nothing. Ashe, that doesn't mean I'm out here going out kissing folks in the mouth that I don't know who said they just got corona. But what it does mean is that I'm not going to change the way that I do things that make me feel comfortable just so that everyone else can feel comfortable during this crazy period of uncomfortability. So again, this is a public service announcement to all of those who are triggered by anyone around you, not in hysteria, not afraid, not nervous, and not wearing masks and gloves as they get their produce, asking you for your forgiveness and also encouraging your own confidence that the choices you're making about your health and immunity are going to be honored by the God that you serve and I will be well. Same way with me, because I have an immune system that I trust. I have a God that I know. And I have a body that I'm aware of, so that if things are going wrong with it, I am the first to take care of those things on a shamanic, natural healing level. Ashe, I want us all to be well, but I also want us to be whole, and I want us to have clean hearts full of love. So again, if you are a mask wearer and you see someone without one, offer them your love and understanding and forgiveness and be confident and sure that you will be well and stop harassing folks and judging folks and getting mad at folks who trust in their own immunity, their own relationship with God, and their own common sense about what makes them comfortable and feel okay. Again, this is a public service announcement for all God's children reminding you that all is well, nothing has gone wrong, everything's going right, no matter what happens, even if we leave this life, it was the plan this year regardless, no matter what. And nothing under any name, including Corona, can extend or shorten your days on this planet if you are a believer in the Almighty God and know that even the hairs on your head are numbered just like your days. So fear not, know all is well. We're all where we're supposed to be. I'm not wearing a mask, and if you are, I love you, and because I'm not, forgive me. Ashe, we're going to get through this together. Until then, stay safe. Peace. All right, one of the most interesting things I've stumbled across every once in a while and read, I think, oh, I think that's so fascinating, and I wish I'd have known that early on. Uh, I wasn't much of a student growing up, and I just have all kinds of regrets. But, you know, when you get a few years on, there's just nothing you can do about it but change the way you are now. And uh, history wasn't very interesting to me when I grew up, and I could blame the teacher. But, you know, if something doesn't interest you, it's like somebody offers you some food and you try it and you just don't think that tastes so hot. So there's no real motivation to grab another bite, right? You think, oh, I, mm, I don't. That's not really my favorite right there. 
so you don't press forward. But there's so many interesting things to learn from history. One of the fascinating, a couple of fascinating people that, that make comments about it are economists, and uh, one of them's Tom Sowell, one of them's Walter Williams that I love, because they come up with some very interesting statistics and twists on people's lives that you think, oh, that doesn't, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's called learning. So this says most Americans do not know that white people didn't invent slavery. Did you know that? The way slavery, the slavery uh, experience was taught in school, even when it was taught to me, which was way before it got really socialist, went went uh, wacko socialist. It's almost like the white guys come over here and just whipped up this slavery thing, right? So this starts off by saying most people don't know the white people didn't invent slavery. Most do not look back more than about 500 years in history to find that black people and Arabic people are the ones that started the slave trade. Now, black people, you got it? Hold black in your mind. Arabic, those people are rarely are they whites. They're pretty, they're brown right? Brown to black, not white Western Europeans, right? Are the ones they started slave trade in the world. Now you can read about people having slaves all the way through the Bible. It was just commonplace throughout the world as they knew it then. But this is a lot more recent. This is in the five last five years. So slavery, maybe you could say slavery has been around since people have been around, right? It seems that just white European Americans are the big problem in the world on slavery. Many do not know that most modern-day slavery is kept alive, that means it's still going, by black people and Arabic people all over the world, and most prominently in the Eastern Hemisphere. That would be on the other side of the earth from us, you people in Oliver and Linda. We're Western. The entire white people in America is bad because slavery narrative is 100% BS. Let me read that again. The whole entire, quote, white people in America is bad because of slavery narrative. The narrative, white people created the whole slavery thing kept all these slaves, held them hostage. And, uh, but then they forget the fact that, well, why don't we, why did we release them then? Who would ever release them if it was such a good idea, right? The fact is white people release the slaves and they fought one of the bloodiest civil wars in the world over it. Right? So he finally says white people stopped slavery and started a global trend against it. But it's still going on today. In fact, I have a friend that used to be in law enforcement locally who's working in human trafficking as we speak, international human trafficking. Now, they come in all flavors now. But you might have heard of the Barbary Coast Pirates, the North African Moors. Those are all slave traders. So when they want reparations, Reparations, what am I going to pay reparations for? I'll 
I shoot them in the face. I'm not going to pay anybody any reparations. Not going to be doing it. They don't deserve it. They need to go get a job. That's what they need to do. Now, there's been talk of, I don't know whether they already did or not, they've been tearing down all these statues. And they're talking about tear, taking down. In fact, some of them are abolitionists. For some of you out there, that, that means abolitionists is somebody that wanted to get rid of slavery. And there are statues honoring abolitionists in the United States, and they've been tearing them down. Some some of you that are still stuck on mass are going to get the clue one of these days that this isn't about lib, liberals or conservative. This is about a communist takeover of the United States of America. And this is about organizing not the people like the uh, proletariat against the capitalists, like in communism. This is against all the, the quote, disenfranchised people, the blacks transvestites, Mexicans, women's libbers, homosexuals. You know, anybody that's been against, the only ones, the ones that are the capitalists, but it really doesn't do with economics. This is just who's going to run society. And the bad boys or the bad people are white folks. It's just like the bad people in Germany were who? The Jews. Right. All anything wrong with Germany got laid at the doorstep of the Jews. So I heard they're going to tear down Teddy Roosevelt's deal. And I thought, see, everybody's saying, well, why? Why Teddy Roosevelt? He was a nice guy. It has nothing to do with that. They don't even know. The people that are tearing down these statues are being told to do that. They have no idea. They just said, man, that dude's a bad dude. Tear him down. Like these racist, right? Intolerant. So the communist educators said that we are tolerant of one another, but we're intolerant towards our oppressors. And their oppressors are white folk, white folk. And so Teddy is a white folk. So this is just a little history about Teddy Roosevelt. Was he a racist? You know, now everybody's a racist if they don't get along with you, right? A gal named Minnie Cox was the first female postmaster. And she served in Mississippi. She was pressured out of her job. When by some racist people. When Teddy Roosevelt heard about that. I have a picture of her here and a picture of Teddy next to her. When President Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, heard that the postmaster in Mississippi, a black first black female postmaster, was pressured out of her job, he continued to pay her salary and punished the town by rerouting their mail 30 miles away until they gave her position back. Now, that's how you solve racism. You don't burn down the post office. You don't go shoot the dudes that did that. You simply compensate her for the wrong done to her. And you make it harder on people to get their mail until they 
wise up, right? Just something to think about. You know, it's interesting to look back at history because <clears throat> you don't, you know, in history, historians kind of condense things down and put things in lists and paragraphs and stuff where you kind of see a, a life or a career or time in office in a much more condensed way to understand it. And this one person said above the Obamas, eight years and four accomplishments. Allowing grown men in dresses to pee next to girls, 12-year-old girls, that's number one. Made high, high school lunches inedible, health insurance unaffordable, and police lives unimportant. I think he probably did some other things, but those are four big ones, right? Have you been hearing about this guy named Grady Judd? I stumbled across him. <clears throat> Grady Judd, he's the sheriff of Polk County, Florida. I like just like the sound of that, Polk County. And I saw him talking, explaining to Antifa. <coughs> he was explaining to Antifa because they had said, we're coming out of the cities and we're going to visit you rural folks and show you what real justice is all about. So, he, Grady Judd said, right in front of God and everybody, I just want to let you know I wouldn't do that if I were you up here in Polk County because I've encouraged all our residents to own weapons. And he said, if you come in their house, they'll probably shoot you out the front door. Not shoot you, but shoot you. And we may just have to put, put you in body bags to get you out of our county. Then I read this, which is back in January 31, 2014. He doesn't tolerate fools easily. So he's pretty straightforward about reality because sheriff's deputies and sheriffs and police officers, police chiefs, they got to deal with life every day, however it's dealt to them. Heroin addict laying on the floor of an old funky hotel, woman killed by somebody, kid gets smashed on his motorcycle because a jeep pulled out in front of him they got to go clean up all that stuff right so then these pussy little reporters ask these antagonistic questions right so um polk county florida sheriff grady says grady judd quote you kill a policeman it means no arrest no Miranda rights, no negotiations, nothing but as many bullets as we can shoot into you, period. Now, that's probably doesn't fit your genre right now with all this protest going on. But let me just say that again to you, because this is what I feel about it. Although most people would be more generous towards not be so hardcore like Grady. Grady doesn't look hardcore. He looks like somebody's grandpa. You kill a policeman, it means no arrest, no Miranda rights, no negotiations, nothing but as many bullets as we can shoot into you, period. Why did he say that? Well, an, an illegal alien in Polk County, Florida, who got pulled over in a routine traffic stop, ended up executing the deputy who stopped him. 
The deputy was shot eight times, including once behind the right ear at close range. Another deputy was wounded and a police dog killed. A statewide manhunt ensued. The murderer was found hiding in a wooded area. As soon as he took a shot at the SWAT team, officers opened fire fire on him. They hit him 68 times. Naturally, the liberal media went nuts and asked why, why they shot the poor undocumented guy 68 times. Sheriff Grady Judd told the Orlando Sentinel, because that's all the ammunition they had. They ran out of ammunition. That's why they didn't shoot him 69 times, because they had 68 bullets that went into him, and then some of them may have missed him. Guys got a little nervous, shot over, shot under, under, but they got 68 times in the body. The coroner also reported that the illegal alien died of natural causes. When asked by a reporter how that could be, since there were 68 bullet wounds in his body, he simply replied, when you were shot 68 times, you're naturally going to die. There you go. All you sissies out there. Hold tight. I'm going to cool my throat here. All right. So I want to talk a little bit. We got these people like kissing the toes of Colin Kaepernick. And so we had a guy. I don't know whether I have time to do it all, but I'll, I'm going to touch on it here. Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I must have skipped something here. I skipped over something. Huh. Just disappeared. Must be down, buried down farther. So uh, this guy compared Colin Kaepernick because it was Juneteenth. You ever heard of Juneteenth, 19th of June? I never paid much attention to it growing up. But Juneteenth supposedly is the date in 1865 when the last slaves down in Texas received word of their freedom. And um, it represents the fulfillment of the principles of liberty enumerated by our founders 89 years prior in the Declaration of Independence. We just had to, we, that was our vision. We need not, now we need to straighten the country out, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I want to talk about Mr. Kaepernick and then I'll also talk about a guy named Carney. Uh, so let's see here. So I don't have to go through all this and take too much time. Uh, let's see. I want to talk about William Carney first. I may have uh, left out this uh, one little section about Kaepernick, but I can I can basically do what uh, 
I've, I've never read Colin Kaepernick, of course, was a quarterback for the 49ers and uh, San Francisco. And so I was aware of what happened to him. But um, well, let me just say a couple things about him. He was born to a white mother who had a and had a black father. But uh, at birth, he was given up to two, a white couple who raised him. Uh, and they sounds like they did a really good job. And he was a honor student. He went to through high school and played football was at UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, was very good there, got a 4.0, I believe, and was drafted to come to the 49ers and did some pretty cool things. And uh, But he has been the sort of the poster boy of uh, America is crummy. America's terrible. America is the worst place on earth and just horrible. And and we don't the we don't should not honor anything of our heritage, right? I want to con- contrast a gal a guy named William Harvey William Carney, or sorry William Harvey Carney. We'll just call him William Carney. And uh, their actions both regarded the American flag, and they're separated by 150 years. And I just told you a little bit about Colin Kaepernick when after he was benched because of some injuries and he wasn't playing very well. All of a sudden, he took a knee one day, and we didn't have, knew that know that was in him. He just took a knee, and I think one or two other players did did as well. Maybe that day, or they did after. So William Carney, though, was different. He was born into slavery in Norfolk, Virginia, in 1840. It's believed he made his way to freedom by way of the un- Underground Railroad. In other words, he escaped and was able to join his father in Massachusetts. And in, in March of 1863, 23-year-old Carney joined the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry. And isn't that interesting? The guy escaped slavery and turned right around and joins the military of the country that basically allowed the slavery to go on, right? Well, why? The 54th was a second, but most famous infantry regiment composed of black Americans as authorized by Abraham Lincoln, Emancipation Proclamation. Just four months later, Carney would find himself in a big old funky battle. On July 11, 1863, the first battle of Fort Wagner the stronghold protecting the strategic southern approach to Charleston Harbor. Union forces were turned back after suffering 339 casualties to the Confederates, the Confederates of South, you remember? 339 to only 12 uh, southern casualties. And so Kearney's working for the North, right? But a week later, the famous Second Battle of Fort Wagner was led by the 54th, that's Kearney's operation, under the command of Colonel Robert Gould Shaw, as depicted in the Oscar-winning film Glory. I'd like to see that. I've never seen that. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to, I'm going to tell you the rest of Carney. You'll love Carney when we finish. Shine on my guitar someday. 
Hi, this is PJ. He's scared of all things. I'm terrified of everything. He knows that as soon as you're born, you're at risk of dying, so he wants to stay safe at all costs. He doesn't look at life as an adventure to be lived. I look at life as a predator that I need to protect myself against. And he's gonna teach you all the things you should be scared of and how to stay safe from them. The most up-to-date science that shows that the coronavirus is not easily spread via surfaces and asymptomatic people is trumped by the outdated guesses that it is. So I always wear a mask, especially when I'm driving. And what else do you do to stay safe against this vicious virus? I constantly use antibacterial hand sanitizer because I think antibacterial is the same thing as antiviral. That sounds scientific. I also don't hug anyone or have any human connection because people carry deadly diseases and they're contagious. There's more than 3 million cases of traumatic brain injuries in the U.S. each year. PJ, how can we protect ourselves? I always wear a helmet anytime I'm standing up. It's too dangerous not to. If you're not constantly protecting yourself against concussions, then you probably don't even have a brain. Don't be brainless. Over 6,000 pedestrians are killed by cars each year in the U.S. PJ. How can you possibly stay safe from this one? Don't cross the street anymore. I'll just stay here the rest of my life. It'll be safer this way. Just when you thought you were safe, I want to remind you, AIDS is still a thing. And potentially all surfaces on Earth are covered with AIDS-infected semen. I have a condom on right now so I don't get AIDS. That's appropriate. And just when you thought water was a beautiful thing, 3,500 people drown each year in water. It would be ridiculous not to be protecting yourself against drowning. So I never leave home without wearing my life jacket. I also wear one at home, and two of them in the shower. In the U.S., one in every 700,000 people are struck by lightning. Lightning's everywhere! Indeed. What can you possibly do to stay safe from lightning, PJ? I never go near trees. Nature's like a serial killer. I also keep myself as low to the ground as possible, just to be safe. Approximately 500 meteorites hit the surface of the Earth each year. Wait, what? That's right, you have a 1 in 20 billion chance of being hit by a falling rock from the sky. That's almost everybody! Sure is. I'm just gonna stay here for the rest of my life. It's too dangerous not to! That's how you stay safe in 2020. And the only thing I have to sacrifice is my freedom, human connection, adventure, and my personal sovereignty. Your protection has become your prison. You're definitely safe in there. And it looks good on you. Thank you. What the mainstream media was afraid to tell you about the news this week. This week, while the mainstream media was obsessing about President Trump drinking water, here are the things that happened that really matter. The Fulton County District Attorney, Paul Howard, who charged Atlanta police officer Garrett Wolf with felony murder for the shooting of Rayshard Brooks after Brooks assaulted Wolf, stole his taser, and aimed the taser at the cop. The DA claims the police officer was never in imminent threats of serious bodily injury or death. But two weeks ago, this same district attorney charged police officers with assault for aiming a taser at a Black Lives Matter protester, calling the taser at the time, quote, a deadly weapon under Georgia state law, end quote. But did the mainstream media report on his utter unjust hypocrisy from the Fulton County DA? No, they didn't. Google threatens to demonetize the Federalist 
over their comments section after NBC News tattled on the Federalist to Google. That's right, NBC's so-called news verification unit, whatever that means, brought to Google's attention comments on the Federalist, which Google then labeled dangerous and derogatory, and said no ads would be allowed to run if those comments remained. This, by the way, from the parent company of YouTube. Have you ever seen YouTube comments? To call it a cesspool would be an understatement. But did the mainstream media report that Google was selectively targeting conservative-leaning websites? No, no. The mainstream media was actually part of the attack. Oklahoma State University football coach Mike Gundy caves to the rage mob and apologizes for wearing an OAN t-shirt, saying, quote, Once he learned how that network felt about Black Lives Matter, I was disgusted and knew it was completely unacceptable, end quote. But this false premise was based on a lie, a selectively edited video of me circulated by a former Daily Beast staffer who claimed that I said Black Lives Matter is a farce. No, I said the Black Lives Matter group is a farce because they claim to care about black lives, but they ignore the 2,500 black people who are killed every year by other black people. They ignore the 20 million unborn black babies killed by abortion. The Black Lives Matter group also lies to black people about police-involved shootings to foment support for their political goals, which they admit is Marxism. But did the mainstream media tell you the truth? Of course not. The mainstream media repeated the Daily Beast lie without researching the truth for themselves. The rise of COVID-19 cases in Florida is not a sign of a second wave of the virus. Contrary to what the mainstream media is reporting, The increase in the number of positive tests in Florida is due to an increased number of tests, including tests on people without symptoms. Furthermore, the median age of people testing positive for COVID-19 in Florida has fallen from 65 years old to 37 years old, which means the fatality rate is also going to plummet. Plus, Governor Ron DeSantis says even at the peak of COVID-19 in Florida, they never used more than 3.5% of hospital beds for COVID-19 patients. But did the mainstream media report the facts to you? No, no, they did not. As New York City Governor, or New York Governor Andrew Cuomo dismisses concerns about his disastrous COVID-19 nursing home policy and the thousands of deaths that occurred thanks to his forcing nursing homes to admit patients with COVID-19, dismisses these concerns as a shiny object. New York City contact tracers have also been instructed not to ask anybody who tests positive for COVID-19 whether or not they attended a Black Lives Matter protest. But did the mainstream media report on either of these two stories? No, no. The mainstream media still praises Cuomo for handling COVID-19, even though he handled it worse than any other governor in the nation. The mainstream media does not care to report any of that to you. So you just can't stand evil-hearted woman and a blind man. Don't you lie to me. Now don't you lie to me. Because it makes me mad, evil as a man can be. Well, you told me that you loved me long time ago. The fellas that All right. So, as a 54th Massachusetts uh, group reached a point about 150 yards from the fort walls. Confederates opened fire with musket and cannon 
riddling the the black soldiers. Despite this, the 54th bravely fought on. Shaw, the leader, Shaw was one of the main uh, many casualties after an extraordinarily brutal battle. The black infantrymen were ultimately forced back after suffering 272 people dying, wounded or missing. But at the end of the day, after additional Union reinforcements captured the fort, the men of 54th were hailed for their valor and bravery. This is a former slave who fled, risked his life to flee, and now is fighting for the North to free the country, to sort the the slavery issue out and many other issues. One of the 54th Regiment was young Sergeant William Carney. He received the Medal of Honor for actions after the 54th Color Guard was killed. Carney retrieved the U.S. flag carried by his regiment and and despite his own severe industry, in, injuries, pressed forward. He held it high, the flag, under heavy fire, and later that day exclaimed to his unit, Boys, I only did my duty. The old flag never touched the ground. He would later recount that rising at one point with the flag in hand, he was shot. The bullet I now carry in my body came whizzing like a mosquito, and I was shot. Now being prostrated by the shot, I continued my course yet had not gone very far that another bullet hit him. Carney was honorably discharged in June 1864, returned to New Bedford, where he lived until his death in 1908. In honor of the 54th Massachusetts, the Shaw Memorial was erected on Boston Commons. On Boston Common. On the 31st of May, 123 years to the day after it was dedicated, Boston BLM, or Burn, Loot, and Murder, rioters, badly defaced the monument, one of many in their nationwide effort to whitewash our shared history. And then I'll just recount really quickly. Kaepernick was born in 1987 in Wisconsin to a white mother, Heidi Rousseau, and a black father who abandoned Rousseau before Kaepernick's birth. By the way, that's the problem we have with the black community. Rousseau put Kaepernick up for adoption with Rick and Teresa Kaepernick, a white couple. He thrived as part of their family, becoming a top student, multi-sport star in high school. He received a football scholarship from UNLV. And after graduating in 2011 with a 4.0 GPA and a stellar career, he was drafted by the 49ers, I mentioned. Um, After a couple of good years in 2014 Kaepernick signed a six-year contract extension worth 126 million dollars but he gave all that up and uh, after taking a knee and uh, decided that he would forego his next contract withdrew from contract and went on and uh, aligned himself with Marxist ranks and with the BLM movement so uh, for every black that you think that guy is totally crazy there are amazing stories and they're very inspiring to me of black heroes in our history that fought with whether it's black aviators the first black aviators or the first black whatever they're just very fascinating aspects of our history that you should look into now, to show you the craziness that's going on, 
the girlfriend, this is in England, the girlfriend of a man who flew, uh, oh, you know, so they had these soccer games and they call it football in England, right? They had a soccer game going on, major soccer, probably 80, 100,000 people there. And so a guy flew a, a plane over just like they did over the Capitol when we were down here recently and they put stop the tyranny on the banner that they pulled behind the airplane. The airplane pulled a banner that says white lives matter. Now that just ticked everybody off, right? Because you can't say that everybody else lives matter, but not white lives. So anyway, they figured out who did it. But what they did is they found out also who his girlfriend was and her, his girlfriend. Uh, so anyway, let, let me tell you this. They figured out who the, who's responsible for that. Uh, and it was a Burnley fan. That's a f- soccer team. Jamie Heppel. And he faced a social media firestorm. And he responded with a post that said, I'd like to take this time to apologize. And then in caps to absolutely effing nobody. Exclamation point. Well, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna step on Jamie's toes, but what they did is they went for his family. That's what they do. Totalitarians, communists. So uh, they the Twitter mob discovered the employment details of his girlfriend, Megan. And she got fired from Solace Foot Health and Reflexology Company simply by knowing the guy. Isn't that amazing? I think this is a hors d'oeuvre of things to come where just your association or the fact that somebody's a friend of yours that does something that the, the politically astute government doesn't like that. Now you're going to get, you're going to pay the penalty as well. A statement released by the company said they were willing to try to help Megan by paying for intensive racial sensitivity training but that Megan had evidently refused to be re-educated and would rather leave, meaning she was effectively fired for being the boyfriend, a girlfriend of a man who thinks white lives matter. You get that? Just, Just by association. So you can feel kind of this pressure on all different levels right now with this whole COVID thing. Oh, you're not going to get tested. Oh, what what what's up with you? How come you're not doing social distancing? How come you're not staying in your house and hunkering down? Right, all this social distance. And now now they got people want their leaders like mayors and governors saying, "Turn in your neighbor, turn in your neighbor." People get just like I was over there at uh, Jim Boys. Put a mask on. Put a mask on. Right. All right. Uh, okay, I think we're doing okay here. I'm just checking my board here, making sure I pressed all the right buttons because sometimes I do it and I think, oh, I haven't, they aren't even listening to me because I'm not talking into the radio right. Didn't press a record button. I want to just, there's this term privilege that's going around. You heard the term privilege, right? And no matter what your upbringing was as a white guy or white girl, Man, I've met some white folks that 
been through some rough stuff coming up, molestation and rape and poverty, living out in the river bottoms. But if you're white, you got privilege. So this guy writes, what is privilege? Privilege is wearing $200 sneakers when you've never had a job. Privilege is wearing $300 Beats headphones while living on public assistance. Privilege is having a smartphone with a data plan, which you receive no bill for. Privilege is living in public subsidized housing where you don't have a water bill, where rising property t- or where rising property taxes and rents and energy costs have absolutely no effect on the amount of food you can put on your table. Privilege is the ability to go march against and protest against anything that triggers you without worrying about calling out, out, uh, calling your workplace or facing the consequences that, that accompany such behavior, right? You don't get arrested. Privilege is having as many children as you want, regardless of your unemployment, of your employment status and being able to send them off to daycare or school you don't ever pay for. That's what you call privilege. This is kind of interesting. This is the guy who wrote this about Chaz or Chop, right? So he says, hey, guys, I have a little downtime. So this, I don't know where this guy was working. Law enforcement or what he's doing. Hey, guys, I have a little downtime. So here's an update on things here. Absolute madness here. Can't even express it. Day 12 for us and our mayor and chief abandoned a major precinct and gave it to the anarchists. Unthinkable. Nine blocks of our city under the complete control of these terrorists. No joke, man. This is unreal. No police, no fire department, no sanity allowed here. They have an armed force patrolling, manning checkpoints, stopping cars, citizens at gunpoint. They are creating a currency. An ID system, a supply system that includes food, water, ammo, and chemical weapons. They have access to the precinct and have made it their headquarters. Our leaders, in quotes, are completely silent and the city council is completely complicit. Yes, they have been on the front lines with the anarchists. That's just like old Gary Bradford, our supervisor, from the South County and Yuba County. He was out beating the drum for raised taxes to have more cops, and now he's down there with the anarchists in Wheatland and and that got F cops on their signs. The guy lives out in Plumas Lake in a big old house. I thought, what kind of nutcase is he? Our leaders are completely silent. They've been on the front lines with in all caps, the anarchists, and yes, last night one council member led about 200 of them into the city hall. The warlord in charge of the new Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or called CHAZ, drives a Tesla and has been arrested for drugs, guns, pimping, and crimes against children and is on a federal child porn watch list. That's their leader at CHAZ. He carries an AK-47 and has already started abusing people inside WTF question mark you can't make this up dude 
<coughs> we've been castrated. He's meaning the society has been castrated. The people in authority have been castrated. There's no recovering from this. We can't go near near the zone and have been and have been warmed by our department to stay back. We are only working for each other now. We have been in battles where these psychopaths have hit us with rocks, cinder blocks, homemade napalm, and even IEDs, multiple injuries, and then we gave up the precinct. Now the guns are out. The city can burn. I'm working on my exit plan now. The city and state hates us and gives us zero support. In fact, the leaders are actively supporting the very real insurgency. Yet, all of you here, all you here in the media, is that they are merely peaceful protesters. This is real, people. There is a part of our country that is no longer under our country's control. People need to know this is not about race. It's about control. This is about control. This is about takeover of our country. It has nothing to do with the virus, and it has nothing to do with blacks. In fact, in the letter, in the article I wrote that didn't make it to the territorial, I, I said, hey, who really, who takes care of the blacks? It's all the rest of the people. I'm talking about the blacks that get shot. The blacks that go on welfare. The blacks that, that get beat up. They have to get sewed up. They have to get operated on. They have to get uh, their invest. If they get murdered, they have to have an investigation. And who does that? You think it's all black? Very seldom. The tw- only twelve percent of the population are black. But all these other people don't like black people. The law enforcement I've ridden with for years, they like to help people. It doesn't matter what flavor they are. But there's a deception going on. That's why I wrote the article. But I was saddened that it didn't play in the uh, territorial because I think they thought it was too hot to handle. It's interesting when the truth is too hot to handle. It's one thing if I called somebody a name, but I didn't. I just quoted facts. I just quoted facts. And that's the, the truth is too hot to, hot to handle, right? So let me, this is interesting. There's all kinds of stuff that are coming out of our past in America, whether it's biblical or extra biblical, like stuff that's just written by sharp people. There was a guy that lived in the uh, early 1900s by the name of C.S. Lewis, who's a European, (coughs) but he ended up getting converted and uh, writing, he's a phenomenal writer. So I wrote many books. And he wrote the Screwtape Letters, which is about the devil and his nephew, Wormwood. And it's a conversation they have about deceiving humans. So then he wrote a book called Letters of the Devil to His Nephew. And this published in 1942, folks, during the war. I want to read it to you. The question is and always has been this. I want you to think about this COVID thing as I read this. 
The question is and always has been this. How did you manage to bring as many souls to hell at this time? The nephew's asking. The devil says, because of fear. Oh, yes. Excellent strategy, old and always current. But what were they afraid of? Fear of torture? Fear of war? Fear of hunger? No, said the devil. Fear of getting sick. I'm telling you people, this was written in 1942. They went to hell because of fear of getting sick. But then the other said, no one else got sick at that time? No. Yes, they were sick. I'm sorry. Nobody else was dying. That's what I meant to say. Yes, they really died. So the nephew said, there was no cure for this disease. Oh, there was. Then the nephew says, well, I don't understand then. The devil says, since no one else believed and taught about eternal life and eternal death, people thought they had only that life. And they clung to it with all their strength, even if it cost them their affection. They did not hug and greet each other. They had no human contact for days and days. They lost all their money. They lost their jobs. They spent all their savings and still thought themselves very lucky to be prevented from earning their bread. It's amazing, people. People just going on. Oh, yeah, we'll, we won't have church anymore. It's not a problem. We got this. It's okay. It's okay. He says, the devil says they lost their intelligence. One day the press said one thing, and then the next day the media would say something else. They contradict it. And they still, they believed it all. They believed the first statement, and they believed the contradiction. They lost their freedom. They did not leave their house. They did not walk. They did not visit their relatives. It was one big concentration camp for voluntary prisoners. They accepted everything, everything, he said, as long as they could overcome their miserable lives one more day. Sadly, they no longer had the slightest idea that he, and only he, he with capital letters about God, he, and only he, he is the one who gives life and ends it. It was like that, as easy as it has ever been. Isn't that interesting? 1942 C.S. Lewis. You can look it up on the internet without buying the book and see what I just came across. It's like prophetic, right? It's like a prophecy. The Letters to the, of the Devil to His Nephew by C.S. Lewis, Christian author of the Chronicles of Narnia and many other wonderful books, even on grief. So we're at the, a midpoint in our show. We're going to take just a short break here. Let me refresh myself and uh, listen to these clips, and we'll be right back. And it wouldn't do an ounce of good to call my name. Because Daddy's name wasn't Willie Woodrow, and I wasn't born and raised in no ghetto. Just a white boy looking for a place to do my thing. 
Well, I'm out to find me a wealthy woman in a line of work that don't take no diploma. I ain't got much to lose, but got a lot to gain. Well, some might call me a good time fella. I ain't black and I ain't a yellow, just a white boy looking for a place to do my thing. Yeah, I don't want no handout living and don't want to party anything they're giving. I'm proud and white and I got a song. Joe Biden's failed old liberal ideas would crush our economy just as it's recovering. Higher taxes on families, crippling regulations, trade deals that ship jobs to China. President Trump led us to the strongest economy in history. He did it his way, not the Washington way. And he's doing it again. Renewing, restoring, rebuilding. 2.5 million new jobs. The biggest jobs increase ever. And he's just getting started. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. As early as 1928, the communists declared that the racial differences among our people constituted the weakest and most vulnerable point in our social fabric. By constantly probing and straining at this one spot, they calculated that eventually the cloth could be torn apart and that Americans could be divided, weakened, and perhaps even set against each other in open combat. We mustn't kid ourselves into thinking that the communists have placed their agitators only into the black communities. They're working both sides of the street. They want hatred, violence, and bloodshed between the races, and they don't care how they get it or whom they use, even children if necessary. That the communist blueprint calls also for white retaliation and violence in the black communities. It's a very important objective for the Communist Party. So far, they've only been able to involve a small percentage of our Negro people in this war of national liberation. The great majority want no part of it in any form. But the one sure way to change that is to have white vigilante groups striking into the Negro sections supposedly to seek revenge. Ladies and gentlemen, the plans and preparations for a communist revolution of force and violence are far advanced. The organization behind these preparations has almost unlimited financial resources and it provides both training and leadership based upon years of experience in many other countries. Our enemies are deadly serious about their task and it's nothing short of national suicide for us to continue to ignore their plans and their progress. The strategy of the proletarian revolution calls for the quiet conversion of our government into a communist regime, but under the banner of socialism. Well, what is socialism? All right, let's define it. According to the dictionary, socialism is a political concept based upon the principle of government ownership and control of property, the means of production, and the avenues of commerce. Under socialism, those who run the government and the communists are confident that in America they eventually will be the ones who do so. Those who run the government will know who is to get something and who has to wait and that represents control over human beings. What is all this to do with the communist revolution in America? Well ladies and gentlemen it has everything to do with it because the building of socialism is the communist revolution in America. It represents the process whereby our country can be moved gradually toward communism without the people even being aware of it. No matter what grievance we may have, real or imagined, no matter what national problems we may face, 
The communists seize upon these as excuses to build socialism. They have one and only one solution for all problems. More government, more government, and then more and more until it's total government. And forgive me for saying it one more time, total government is communism. In 1943, the following directive was issued from party headquarters to all communists in the United States. It read, When certain obstructionists become too irritating, label them, after suitable build-ups, as fascist or Nazi or anti-Semitic, and use the prestige of anti-fascist and tolerance organizations to discredit them. In the public mind, constantly associate those who oppose us with those names which already have a bad smell. The association will, after enough repetition, become fact in the public mind. But because they are lying, it's possible to expose them. And this is their Achilles heel. Now, by comparison, we have nothing to hide, therefore we have no reason to lie. And we wouldn't want to, even if we could. Truth is a far superior weapon than deceit. It's a weapon which is denied to them. And in the end, it will be the decisive weapon that destroys them completely. We get a lot of advice from the council, so this will mean I won't have as far to go to uh, be told uh, what we should be doing and uh, how uh, we should uh, think about the future. People like Hillary Clinton know, even at that elevated position. Hillary Clinton, you'd say, was one of the big movers and shakers. Compared to the Council on Foreign Relations, she's not. She's a small fish. And she knows that she's got to uh, get the approval of the CFR. I had a friend, Nick Rockefeller, okay, who was one of the Rockefeller family. The ultimate goal that these people have in mind is to create a one world government. And this is giving me straight from Rockefeller himself. This is what they want to accomplish. Not just any world government but a world government based on the model of collectivism. In other words, big, powerful, centralized world government. If it were a world government based on the principles of freedom and uh, freedom of choice, freedom of culture, low intervention, if no intervention in the lives of normal human beings, it might be a wonderful thing, but that's not the kind of world government the left and the right have in mind. They're talking about total world government with all major decisions being made at the top and people at the bottom being peasants, basically, high-tech humans. All right, welcome back. Uh, I want to talk a minute about some of our sponsors. I had, uh, as happens in my life, whether it's my car, my body, or my house, I always got to do maintenance on it. And so I noticed that the shower wasn't, when I turned it off, it wasn't going off. It was just still dribbling a little bit. And at the price of water in Marysville, <clears throat> it'll go through your whole bank account if you're not paying attention. So I, uh, let me hold on just a second to get my, find my spot here. Sorry. Uh. So anyway, I called my friend Ted Holmes at Plumbing Doctor, <clears throat> and they came over, and 
I've been here for a lot of years, so the faucet system was probably 20 years old. And so when they went to repack it, as they do to make it turn off tight, and so no, not one drop gets away, the, the unit popped inside and broke. And uh, it was old and tight, and uh, it was like me, not as flexible as it used to be. And so they said they have to come back. They tried to find a part. It was really old. So we had to we had to cut into the wall from the backside, and we had to install a whole new system. <clears throat> anyway, my friend Ted Holmes took it on as a personal deal. He just got from got back from Santa Cruz on a job. He said, Lou, I'm just going to do that. Some of my guys aren't feeling well. They were just worn out from other jobs. And uh so Ted came over here and just like knocked this thing out, left the painting. I said, I'll do the painting. Just I don't mind. I can knock the painting out. Just get the thing put back together. The tiles they had to cut through the tile on one side, cut through the back. It was like having your spine worked on. They're coming in from both ways. But the plumbing doctor fixed me up and uh, looking good. Matched the tile on the on the shower side. Thing turns off like it's almost like God made it. And on the back side, you can't even tell they cut a big old funky hole in the sheetrock. Can't even tell. Just a miracle. It's a miracle. So uh, they're up here in Yuba Sutter counties in Northern California. You can dial them up at 530-671-9111. 671-9111. And um, then we got Monty Hecker, who, who's a big supporter of, of ours, <coughs> and uh, been a huge help to me. And promotes it on Facebook all the time. That reminds people I'm on a podcast. And Monty uh, was in the Air Force and got out of the Air Force and went into the security business. And uh, thank you, Monty, for serving us. And um, he refers on his website to be an, uh, a disabled veteran. So I don't, not quite sure what happened, but I've never really asked him. But that even adds another uh, good thing to it. But the thing. Then instead of whining and just collecting money, he went into a started his own business called Elite Universal Security, and it's located on out here in Yuba County. But they work all up and down the state, south of Sacramento, all the way up to Oregon. And he's always telling me, "I said, Money, how's it going?" He said, "It's really busy, and I need people. Tell people I need them. I want good people, good honest people, hardworking. I will train them." He says. I'll put them to work. And he said, if they want to just, I'll train them. They can go ahead and be a cop someday if they want to do that or go into some other field. But it's related to what we do. But he said, I need them. So if you want a job and you want to get trained, maybe you're just maybe you're just getting out of high school. Maybe you just went through this 2020 year all screwed up and you think, man, I, I just need to, I need to try something, right? Or maybe you should be a security guard and just try it. Just get out there and get your feet wet. See whether you like it. See whether you don't. You can call them at 530-749-0280, 530-749-0280. Now, you heard me earlier talk about the Gavin Newsom recall. Monty is up to his ears helping, as he always does, on a lot of good political causes. If you don't have a computer, um, or you don't have, maybe a lady I was talking to at the prayer meeting, I said, Lou, my printer's not working. Got a computer, got a phone, but I can't get my computer because I was saying just print off some of those what uh, petitions to recall Newsom. So you could go out there to Feather River Boulevard, 5548 Feather River Boulevard, 5548, and uh, 
just south of Marysville, off the freeway, very quick to get to if you're around this area. And he can uh, help you with paper petitions or if you just want to sign. Now, if you want to find somebody in your county that you can hook up with, if you'll go to that website, recallgavin, G-A-V-I-N, 2020.com, you can look down there and find the Facebook site for people in your county. So if you're listening from another county in California, you're good to go, right? So you can uh, give Monty a shot. Also, if you're interested in getting a, a, a concealed weapon permit, uh, he can help you with that as well. So you can just give him a call, ask him when the classes are, and they can hook you up. They just do that year-round, right? Prepare people. All right, let me get back down to what I was doing. And uh, we'll take on the... Oh, yeah, I wanted to go over here. Now, <clears throat> I was talking to one of my listeners earlier this evening, and she was talking about what I was talking about and what I wasn't talking about last week. And what I didn't get around to talking about is these what they call needle exchanges. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Syringes. That people, that sh- you know, lots of people need syringes, like uh, uh, diabetics use syringes to inject themselves with insulin, things like that. There's different people that have to inject themselves. But a few years ago in Eubin, I think in, I'll speak for Yuba County because I talked to the health officer the other day, and he said, Lou, when I was health officer, it used to be Ill- illegal for anybody that didn't have a prescription from a doctor to get a, buy a syringe at a pharmacy. But we made it legal. For anybody to get them. So that means if you're shooting heroin or meth, uh, they, even though they didn't agree with that, they didn't want them to die because of it. Because the fact is some people do. Let me ask you this. Have you, did you, did you do anything in your life where you thought this is greatest? And then after you went through that phase, you thought, I'm glad that didn't kill me. Or I'm glad it didn't work out. I'm glad. I moved on from there or that group of friends or you, you did some risky business. You were risky behavior. And, uh, so, so what the doctor said is, Hey, we want to make sure if, if they'll go in and buy the needles, we'll let them buy clean needles. They would rather have them using clean needles and reusing needles over and over and over again. And so now that's gone from that to in other cities like San Francisco and big cities is where they they don't even bother addicts with that. They just say, listen, come to us and we'll give you as many needles as you want. So in San Francisco, what that amounts to, in San Francisco, you, you ever been down there, San Francisco? It's not that really big of a place. They've given out 4.5 million needles, not since they started, every year. It's over like, Four hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand needles a month, and uh, so it's really not an exchange program. They 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 will take your old needles back, but most people aren't organized enough. It's just like recycling, right? I try to recycle, but do I do it perfectly? No, not necessarily. I work at it, right? But I'm I'm sober. I'm not addicted. People that are addicted don't operate at that level. So handing out sharp boxes 
boxes that you would insert your used sharps in, your used needles. I was talking to somebody the other day who has an addict in the river bottoms, and they just they just laughed at the whole thing. They said, what do you think? We can't even find our ID. We can't even find our EBT card. Everything gets lost or stolen, right? And they want us to keep these sharp boxes and turn them in with sharps. It's crazy. So anyway, I wrote an article that's in the Territorial Dispatch. You can look at it at territorialdispatch.com. It's on the Internet. Uh, or you could go to, uh, you could just see it in a, in a word form, word document on my uh, nohostagesradio.com. But I wrote an article about it. it. It's called, the whole concept is called harm reduction. I I go to a church. We've been working with addicts for years. And years ago, we tried to, a doctor and I were trying to put a clinic together. We were, actually, we were way ahead of our time, too far ahead. Nobody agreed with us. Or few agreed, not enough agreed with us, and and we wanted to, we wanted to have a clinic just for addicts, and uh, or people that had pain and and were on opiates, right? And we wanted to have a place where people could really help them, get to know their names, know their kids, know their wives, and know their husbands, and know where they worked, and and uh, offer help for them, not just giving them needles, or not just giving them methadone, or eventually suboxone, but offer them some other remedial uh, paths, like going into a rehab or something, something, right? So I I found with fascination two things. One is I felt the state lied or was, you know, when when you're deceptive, you're lying, right? That's why they say when you testify in court, do you swear to tell the truth? They don't stop there. They say the whole truth. And then they don't stop there and say nothing but the truth, right? So in the letter to the supervisors and city councils of these two counties up here, the state wrote a letter and started describing, you know, whenever you're pitching your agenda, you always tell all the positive things about your agenda, but never the negatives, right? And one of the, one of the negatives about government being involved with the addicts is they don't give a damn about them. In fact, a friend of mine, or got acquaintance of mine, we didn't hang out together because he lived a really different lifestyle than I do. But I kept crossing paths with him in the jail, <clears throat> and uh, and then he came out to our church. We'd put him to work for a day or two, helping him earn money. And so the other day we went on a trauma intervention call, which is another organization I run, and uh, uh, my friend John had died in a funky hotel room just few blocks from where I live of a heroin overdose in his 40s. So, you know, it's different. You just have more passion to help people when you know their name and you have some history with them, right? But if you're a government worker and you're just going through people, when you go home at the end of the day, it's like, me. I hope they make it, you know, hope it all works out for you out there. But John and people like him have my phone number, right? If you're really going to help people, you need to help people no matter what day of of the week it is, what time of the day it is, and you need to address their personal issues. But the government talks a good story, but they don't, they just, you know, it's kind of like a guy that says, you know, I'm a good, I'm a good baseball player, but he just can't hit. He can't throw, but he's got a good story to tell. 
the state has a good sort of tell. So what they they were deceptive in the way they described. They described our counties as having a lot of opiate use, which we already knew. And a lot of overdoses, we already knew. Poisonings, we already know. Then they said something that's very interesting to me in the way they phrase it, because I write a lot. So I know the power of a phrase or a turn of a word. And they said this, in Sutter County, of the people, of the patients or people with HIV on board, I'm using my terms, <coughs> of those people, something like in Sutter County, 9.7% or something of those people that have HIV claimed that they had used a needle. It didn't say that the needle gave them AIDS. It didn't talk about their sexual promiscuity or the fact that they might be homosexual or their prostitute, which are all high-risk groups. I'm not, I'm not taking pot shots. I'm just talking about science here. So they use the term nine point like seven percent or something. I have it on my computer, but at least for give me the leave of a tenth of a percent, right? Nine point seven percent of the people that were HIV positive in Sutter County said they injected. And then they said in Yuba County <coughs> excuse me, it was ten percent Sutter County and like nine point seven in Yuba County. But so the question I had, which I think any supervisor, city council member should have had. Okay, those are percentages, but how many people have the disease? And how did they get it? Right? Are they homosexual? Are they prostitute? Like, are they been monogamous and they, all they did is shoot drugs? That was the only bad thing, right? But they didn't go into that. So I thought, well, it was driving me nuts. How many people have HIV in our two counties? Right? In fact, I think I just had the file pulled right up here. I made this file to give to people. Here it is. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. So, you know, when you just say that, you say HIV in Sutter, HIV in Yuba, and you think, oh, what do we got, 100, 200 people, 300 people? So when you say that um, 10%, and then 9.9 was the other one. 9.9 was Yuba, right? So I found on the Internet the average number of patients in Sutter County and the average number of patients in Yuba County that had HIV in 2015 through 16 and 17. And I'm just going to move on here. I don't want to keep you in suspense. It was 79.7 people had HIV average, an average patient level of 79.7 in those three years in Sutter County and 73.3 in Yuba. So when you take the 10% and 9.9% times that to get how many people actually admitted on a survey that they had were a mainline drug user, and you get eight people in one county and seven in another. So this harm reduction, I'm all for harm reduction. I'd like to see... Them get off drugs, right? But they want to come in and just give out needles, and uh, and so we're going to do it because 15 people of all the HIV patients. First of all, we don't have a big HIV problem up here. You think, well, Lou, you're just you just because you don't have it, it's big for them. I'm just saying, of 170,000 people, when you're starting a big program, this ain't San Francisco, Johnny. 
there's 170,000 people in this area, and they got about 150 people have HIV. And of that, 15 of them said they used a needle to shoot drugs. They didn't say, I got AIDS from it, because how do you know? Or we don't know anything about their other habits in life, right? So why would you start a whole needle project that could make matters worse up here instead of just letting people get your own needles, right? In other words, why don't we provide rolling papers for marijuana users? Harm reduction, right? Provide good, healthy papers. We used to buy zigzags, right? So um, it just didn't make any sense to me. Now, one of the failings of government, like one of the arguments they made is a very interesting argument. They said, wherever these areas are that will get the place where you're going to go get the needles, that will be a good point of contact because we need point of, points of contact where we can help people get to rehabs, help stay healthy, don't get hepatitis C, don't get HIV, educate them, and also help them get into rehabs. Now, I want to ask you this question. This is why I'm always suspicious, because I've just been here too doggone long. What agency in the government do you think is doing a great job? Do you think the post office? It runs about $8 billion in the hole every year. Do you think DMV? We can just go on and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, for goodness sakes, we just had Gavin Newsom, the governor of the largest state, the most populous state in the union, because of COVID, which is a common cold, tells all the addicts and alcoholics in the state, you have to stay locked up in your building and you cannot go to a meeting. Some of those people are going to a meeting every day because they're trying to keep from using. He gave them a death sentence. You think, oh, we just had three die of COVID total or four die of total or five die of total in, in Yuba Sutter County. No, 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 no. It, it, this, this is all psychological manipulation. What you had died because of COVID, you have to add in the suicides. You have to add in the overdoses. You have to add in the uh, mental health losses, right? Domestic abuse. You have to a lot of socially uncomfortable things to talk about. <clears throat> well, you don't know, Lou, that that caused it. Oh, but they don't know what caught that. They can't figure out the COVID killed them either. Did the gunshot to the head kill them or did COVID kill them? If they find a gunshot wound. Oh, yeah, we're going to count it as a COVID death. I'm not making this up. I'm just saying. So, so you know, and the interesting thing about the letter on the needles, Butte County's having a big meltdown over this, but in the letter uh, to the needles, to me it sounded like the state's already doing this. didn't matter what, what the counties were going to do, which I'm finding is more and more and more and more. You do this, or we're going to cut your water off. Just like old, that's old, like old D.A. Clint Curry, either shut your doors and go home and go broke, or I'm going to turn off your water and power. What a great guy. All right, we're going to be right back, and we're going to get into our fifth segment. All right, give me a chance to get freshened up here. Touch my makeup up. All right. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe that everything is in between. The fact is fiction. 
I'm Ami Horowitz, and I'm here in Berkeley, California, to find out if voter ID laws suppress the black vote. Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist, and <laughs> they're bad. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you say they're? Would you go as far as to say they're, they're, those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African-American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. Minority voters are less likely to have the kinds of IDs that have been um, described or required. These type of people don't live in areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. You can always get IDs um, over the internet. Does that also make it difficult for, for black people in particular? Yeah, you have to have access to the internet. You have to be able to pay an internet service provider for certain fees. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, IDs? I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how of like how it works. A lot of people have smartphones, but you might not have data. For most of the communities, they don't really know what is out there just because they're not aware or like right. they're not informed. I also think there's a repression of like black voting with um, how they, how if you're a convicted felon, like you're not allowed to vote and everything. And when you look at swing states like Florida, that's a huge population of the of the like African Americans. Now I'm here in East Harlem to ask Black people their thoughts on what you just heard. Do you have ID normally? You carry ID around? Yes, I have state ID. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody, who, any Black person, who doesn't carry ID? No. Everyone that I know has an ID. Why would they think we don't have ID? <laughs> That's a lie. Why would you say that? Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so like, we know what we need to carry around. Everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around with New York with, an ID. Do you know any black adult who does not have ID? No, I don't. Is it a weird thing to even say that? Yes, it is. What is this, some, some type of uh, trick candy camera? I like know, that? right? <laughs> That's the only thing I brought with me. Those are legit, yeah. legit IDs. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that, it's 125th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is right now? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. You know where to get there? Yeah. Do you have a problem getting there if you have to get there? No. It's, I know these sound like silly questions. You know how to get the AV? Of course. You know where it is? Yes. You can get there? Uh-huh. No problem. No problem. Just checking. Okay. And I also heard a lot that black people, especially poor black people, have no access to the internet, can't figure out how to use the internet. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's just stupidity, honestly. Everybody has access to the internet. Even a little kid can figure out how to work the internet. I had access to the internet for years. You know how to use it properly, right? Exactly. I do it at work. So, of course, I know how to use it. Smart. My kids know how to use it. They all have iPads, iPods, whatever. Your phone has data? Mm -hmm. You can actually unlimited. Unlimited data. Mm -hmm. I use my phone as a hotspot. What does that say to you for the people who have this perception of black people? Um, uh, they're pretty much ignorant. Uh, that's my my thought process on. I just think that's ignorant. 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 That's the very, word. Very, very ignorant. Ignorant. Very, very ignorant. Does it sound racist for somebody to say that? I, I think it is a little racist because you know you're putting um, people in a category and you have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe a little bit of racist in it, but like I said, I think it's more stupidity and ignorance. You're judging somebody, like, well, you're judging them because they're black, saying that they don't got it. What people are they talking to? What are who are these people talking to? Do you have a problem that if you go to vote and they say, "Can we please see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are?" Are you love cool? showing my ID? You have no problem with that? Nope. Would you have a problem if when you go to vote? 
If they say, can we please just see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are, do you have an issue with that? No. Would you have a problem if there was a rule where you have to show your ID in order to vote? I don't think so. No. Would you have an issue if there was a rule saying you got to show your ID before you vote? No. Are you cool with that? Yeah. To go in the greeting card stores, I think they're interesting because they kind of, greeting cards really reflect, you know, what people are saying to each other. The style of the greeting cards, the communications. There's a section now in every greeting card store I've been in lately where they have greeting cards with no printing on the inside, though. <laughs> I mean, this is a comment. No words, no message, nothing. It's like Hallmark is saying, hey, we don't know what to tell her. <laughs> you think of something, pal. For 65 cents, I don't want to get involved. I don't know what you're doing over there. Then they have those greeting cards with the couples on the front. They photograph them, you know, these hazy focus people. They're always having picnics. There's always a tree, a pond. Who are these people? I don't know them. I don't want them on my card either. What am I going to write inside there anyway? Here's another couple having a better relationship than us. So I went to the post office to get some stamps for the card. This all fits together. <laughs> I was at the post office today. That's a, that's a true thing. And I'm waiting online now. What is the thing in the post office with the wanted posters on the walls? You're standing there, you're going to mail a package, they're showing you killers, murderers, thieves. What do they want to do about it at the post office? Write the guy? <laughs> do people rip these off the wall, go up to the counter? Yeah, give me a book of stamps and a search warrant. I'm going after this guy. <laughs> I've had it up to here with his activities. I'll tell you my main question about these wanted posters on the wall. Why didn't they hold on to this guy when they're taking his picture? Hey, we've been having uh, <clears throat> some meetings, some protests, peaceful, not civil disobedience, non-compliance, peaceful non-compliance is called. Because we're, we're not disobeying the Constitution, we're disobeying the government. We're, we're not complying with government rules, just like I did tonight when I went to get a taco, I did not wear a mask. Lou, you can give everybody sickness. I, my my feeling is, in fact, there's a clip you should listen to. I'm, I'm sure you're going to listen to it as we move on here of a lady that talks about masks. And she says, why do you get so worried about me? If you're worried about getting COVID, you get that mask on. Wear it really good. I want to read you some, some of the um, comments of Lee Dundas, who's a human rights attorney out of the Los, uh, not Los Angeles, but Orange County area. She sp spoke at a couple of the pr uh, protests at state capitol and uh, she does human rights work around the world i wondered what that meant she gave us some clues to it although i'm not going to cover it all here and i i don't know that i'm going to have it in the clips for you because it's nine minutes long but she talks about her getting into thailand and on the border of burma and the sex trafficking over there and <clears throat> and she talked about uh meeting a gal that really had an impact on her life and she was abducted from a bus in thailand 
and some guys were going to kill her after they were abusing her and abused her for a long time and they were getting they were taunting her and another bunch of girls that they're going to kill her and she was talking about when are you going to actually stand up and do something and uh, she was saying the girl said when the guy came and was threatening to kill her he said she said give me your gun i'm gonna kill myself i'm done with this right there's a time where you just don't you you get off your knees and you just deal with stuff and if you die you die and she was started off her talk by saying the gal changed her life, right? And they ended up letting her go. And now she's working for Lee Dundas. So she says, I want to read this because of some powerful things in this, her talk. She says, work in our state, California, and in our great nation, the USA, ladies and gentlemen, is nowhere near done right now. If you have not heard, they are building quarantine camps in L.A. County right now this this is probably a talk she gave in may they have been putting covid checkpoints on our streets right now like dui checkpoints to force you to take a test and last week this is may 2020 in palo alto the very first brigade of vaccine contact tracers started going door to door to people's houses to ask them questions Despite the fact that our children have zero risk of death from this disease, they want to put our children in masks. They want to make them be socially distanced from each other with six feet of distance at all times. They want them to not go outside, not go to recess, not go on field trips, and never experience a blessing of human touch in their classrooms again. That's what they are proposing. I have said it before, and I will say it again, social distancing is a euphemism for social isolation. Social isolation was done 70 over 70 years ago by the CIA, and it's deployed against enemies of the state because it is more effective at breaking a person down than any form of physical torture. Did you know that? Social distancing and social isolation is the equivalent. Social isolation is when you quarantine healthy people. Social distancing and social isolation is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day and being an alcoholic. We'd be better off sending our kids to homeroom with a pack, a pack and a half of smokes and a fifth of vodka. And to the CDC supposedly the Centers for Disease Control, or what I call the Center for Democrat Control. And to the CDC who came out two days ago, May 2020, and said what they said, I have some words for you. To hell with you and your Orwellian laws. We sprayed our military in Vietnam with Agent Orange, and we sprayed ourselves with DDT because men in power at agencies like the CDC Federal and state agencies told us it was safe, but they lied to us. And I will be damned if I'm going to let our government deploy protocols used to break down prisoners of war against kindergartners in our classroom. So then she describes how 
Both her father and I think her grandfather and uncles served in the military, and so did she. And uh, and she's describing what they did to survive during World War II. And she said, I was raised that you never sell out the freedom that they died, your forefathers died protecting. It's not going to happen on my watch, she said. I have news for you folks. Our enemy today isn't a foreign enemy. Our enemy today is not crawling through the jungles of Vietnam, waiting to cut down a military chopper, waiting to come into a hot military zone, or like Germany on D-Day at the beach. Our enemy today is right here on our own soil in the form of mask wearing and social distancing for our children. It is here in the form of endless lockdowns that are breaking the backs of our mothers, fathers, and workers in our country who gave their all to pay and paid all our taxes and to put people in that house, the government mansion. She's, she's speak, when she gives us talk, she's demand the government, the, the state capitals behind her. She's making, she's referring to the state capital. <clears throat> and if we're going to trust honor, if we're going to trust someone, honor the veterans and the men and women who died defending our freedom when we need to be prepared to take the same oath they did and to live it and to die for it. That is, you better be prepared to protect, defend, protect and defend liberty, defend your country, defend your freedom, defend the United States and the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So, yeah, the note down here says she gave this talk on May 23rd, and that was the last rally we've had down there. <clears throat> you better think about it. If you're even wondering about whether any of this is true, I've talked to more and more people. I haven't had a television set uh, hooked up since 1987. It wasn't a philosophical thing right away. I was just going through a difficult time in my life, and I thought it was a real distraction. I was spending all my time reading and praying and being alone with God. I, I needed it. But I just filled my life with... Uh, activity that was profitable and I just never made time for television again today I would strongly I, I don't should on people right I have a shirt that one of the inmates made me said don't should on me because I used to tell them I don't I'm not going to should on you I'm going to tell you what I think will help you but I'm not going to say you should do it because something in you has got to sort that out I'm saying to you that if you're watching television every day, you, you got a really a big problem because it's confusing you. They're using the television to manipulate you. And most of what you hear on these shows is fabricated or very intended to be very deceptive. So you need to think about it. And um, you need to think about whether you're just turn the thing off or take it out of your house. Or just say it's off limit or discontinue your service. I understand nowadays you got to get a service. I'm telling you that you're not going to be in your right mind to make good choices. You know, it's like being drunk or high on, on something. 
the the biggest problem when you do that, besides being dipping into the spirit world and being addicted and having demonic factors control your life, is that it, it alters your judgment big time. Oh, Lou, my Christian friend, it's fine to drink alcohol. I just said it's not fine for me. If you want to drink alcohol, you drink alcohol, right? I'm not telling you what you should do. The Bible has plenty of concerns about all that, right? But I don't, I, I just abstain because I got off, goofed up plenty in my early life. <clears throat> but it's like being under the influence. And when you're under the influence, the reason under the influence is bad is your judgment is screwy. And so you say stuff that you shouldn't say. And you think you can drive that car, but you really can't. It's not working out. You think it can. You think it's working out. But then you end up in the ditch or run over somebody, right? Your judgment is distorted. And you get yourself in all kinds of predicaments. The sheriff told me, all kinds of sheriffs have told me over the years, Lou, almost 100% of all our inmates are in jail because they use substances to some sort. All I want to tell you is that what's going on in that television, it used to be seemed so innocent back when I was a kid, is now devastating our population. And you do yourself a real favor by getting off that and getting your information elsewhere. So I say that because of what she's saying uh, is that you need to get focused and find out what's going on. Lee Dundas. Right. There's some great YouTube clips from Lee Dundas and other women that have researched the masks and researched social. Do you know there's no science supporting any of this social distancing, the mask? It just it just junk science. <coughs> uh, I, I have all kinds of stuff here. I just don't want to waste too much time. Uh Yeah, it's. I, I can nitpick with you, mask. It just. Uh, I'm just looking for some interesting things here. That it says. Uh, you know, now we got from the N95 mask that you see, or surgical mask you see in hospitals. Now people are making bandana masks, and uh, this guy who's a certified OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Agency, he said by now, hopefully, you know all cloth. In bold letters, masks do not filter a thing. The one that has flowers on it, the bandana with the American flag, used to be a T-shirt. He says there's no filtering whatsoever. As you exhale, you are ridding your lungs of contaminants and carbon dioxide. Cloth masks trap the carbon dioxide the best. They do a good job at trapping carbon dioxide. It actually risks your health. The moisture caught in these masks can become mildew-ridden overnight. Dry coughing, enhanced allergies, sore throats are all symptoms of a micro-mold in your mask. An N95 blows the virus into the air from a contaminated person. It just absolutely it goes right through it. Surgical mask is not designed for the outside world and will not filter the virus upon 
inhaling through it. Its filtration work on the exhale. Its filtration works on the exhale like a vacuum bag. It only works one way. Cloth masks are worse than none. It, you know, the whole mask thing. I, I took down this one guy who talked about, they gave the numbers. I can't find where the numbers, it compared the numbers of the mass, the size, the mass science. And I can't seem to, maybe I didn't save it. But the size of the, so one heart doctor I was watching last week, I think I mentioned last week, he said that the bacteria are pretty small. That's what they wear the mass and surgery for. But he said the COVID or even the viruses are way, 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 way smaller. And they just go right through those things, right? That's why I use the analogy. If you imagine COVID to be a mosquito, and you wanted to keep them out, you would not put, say you were out playing ball out in the field. Putting a chain link fence around the field does not keep out a mosquito. It can fly right through the chain link fence, right? You're just fooling yourself. <clears throat> but people, are they love those masks. And I think they think they're part of some movement or something. They get all excited about it. Interesting. Um, let's, let me, Chris Ann Hall, we had here just a few weeks ago, speaking to whoever would listen to her. She is an expert on the constitution. And I don't know that there's anybody in Congress that knows much as, as much as girl knows. She just can she'll take them all down. She says, when history is despised, when ignorance abounds, when virtue is absent, and when debauchery and ignorance rules, the decline of civilization is in progress. There are a few axiomatic truths that we must face if we refuse take, to take responsibility and correct our course. Number one, the people will demand more laws and greater government power to compensate for the degeneration of society. That's what's going on right now. The more law and power in government always leads to the color of law violating the liberty of the people. Number three, when law conflicts with liberty, the people are left with a confusing situation called a conundrum. What do we do when liber law conflicts with liberty? Do we follow the law or do we follow our conscience? Churches right now are having a problem in this area where they think they need to obey whatever the government says. That's not what the Bible says. Number four, if society chooses to follow law over conscience, people must sear their conscience, and the immediate result is a debauched society. Number five, if society chooses to follow conscience over law, the people lose respect for the law as it is no longer respectable, and the immediate result is a violent and lawless society. In other words, when law isn't based on moral law, which is the Bible, like abortion. Like my friends, we don't have any respect for the law that encourages and pays for abortion. Number six, society then fails 
And it will transition through anarchy, rebellion, to either totalitarian rule, which is what the liberals want in this country, or a rejection of totalitarian rule. Our founding fathers sacrificed life, fortune, and sacred honor to choose a government whose cornerstone is liberty of the individual. No other place on the planet has had at that time made such a bold declaration of self-governance, and no other government since had even come close to what they gave us. And I'll just add in here, and look what's going on now. It looks like we're going to throw it all away. She says, I weep as I see a debauched and ignorant generation throw away the gift in the name of a wicked agenda and race headlong into the rejection of liberties for all. We are looking at the destruction of the greatest opportunity to complete liberty that has ever existed in history. She says, fear not. There is a new day coming. There are others who are watching. The more this spoiled and unruly generation thrash and wail in the socially engineered tantrum, the more others will proclaim, I will not be that person. Have faith, she says. After studying over 1,200 years of history, I have come to one conclusion. Perhaps today there is tumult, and although the people will sleep, liberty always rises up in the spirit to be free, and liberty always wins. We must decide. Will we ignore the decline and refuse the responsibility, or will we stand now so our children can remain to be free? Something to think about. Chris Ann Hall, I'll, I'll give you her website. ChrisAnnHall.com. K R I S A N N E Hall, H A L L, Chris Ann Hall, one word, dot com. Chris Ann Hall, if you want to learn about the Constitution, they aren't teaching it today, and they probably didn't teach you. In fact, I had a fellow, I wrote an article called Preachers and Patriots at the Territorial Dispatch. He said, you know, Lou, he said, I thought I was pretty well educated, but I read that and I thought, oh, I didn't know that. I Honestly, I, I thought I got a pretty decent education. I didn't work very hard at it, but I run into stuff all the time. I think I had no idea. Had no idea. We'll be right back to finish our last uh, section. Rising, uh, um, uh, in with, uh, now at the age of 77 their, years uh, old and running for president for the third time, Biden is clearly diminished. All men and women created by go, you know the, you know the thing. Sometimes I wake up and I think it's 1920. Joe Biden does not have the strength, stamina, and mental fortitude required to lead this country. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. So it's our great honor to introduce uh, human rights attorney, Lee Dundas. She's been fighting for years, and we're grateful to have her standing with us on this, this side of history. Thank you, Tara. It's a pleasure to be here today. Again, my name is Lee Dundas, and I am a human rights attorney. 
And on this weekend, where we are gathered to honor our fallen men and women in the military who made the ultimate sacrifice, I want to share with you a story about courage that comes from the human trafficking work I do in Asia, if that's all right with you. When I was first doing this work in 2013, I encountered a teenage girl who ultimately became my assistant after she had been trafficked. She had been kidnapped off of a bus bench in rural Thailand, knocked unconscious with a narcotic agent, and when she awakened, she was in a slave trading camp where people came to buy human slaves on the Thailand-Burmese border. That's where she woke up. And one day in this camp, the guards in this camp decided they were going to start having a little fun and executing the young girls in this camp. And they lined them up in a firing line. And they made them kneel down. And they went girl to girl, putting guns to temples. And when they would get to each girl, the girl would grab for the gun and beg for her life to no avail. And when my assistant first a story, she stopped when she got to this point. For my part, I was dumbstruck, speechless, and crying. And I looked at this woman, this young lady, and I said, what did you do when the guards got to you? And she said, I stood up and I reached out my hand to the guard and I said, Give me your gun. I don't want to live like this anymore. I will shoot myself. That is what she said. And when the owner of the camp was walking by, he overheard this exchange. And he looked at my assistant, who was 12 or 13 years old at the time. And he said, you, follow me back to my office. And he sat her down and he said, I've been doing this for years. And every single person, when a gun is pointed at their temple, will beg for their life. And you didn't. And I want to know why. And my young assistant looked at me and she told me what she said to him. She got up on her feet a second time and she reached out her hand a second time and she said, I know you have a gun in your desk drawer. Give it to me and I will shoot myself. And the owner of that slave camp looked at her for three or four more seconds, leaned back in his chair, and he said, Get out of here. You're free to go. And I learned that day in Bangkok a lesson in courage that I have never forgotten, which is this. When you are staring into the face of tyranny, you stand the hell up because you... Tracers 
started going door to door to people's houses, asking them questions. Despite the fact that our children have zero risk of death from this disease, they want to put our children in masks. They want to make them be socially distant from each other with six feet of distance at all times. They want them to not go outside, not go to recess, not go on field trips, and never experience the blessing of human touch in their classrooms again. That is what they are proposing. I have said it before, and I will say it one more time. Social distancing is a euphemism for social isolation. It was developed 70 years ago by the CIA, and it is deployed against enemies of the state because it is more effective at breaking a person down than any form of physical torture. Did you know that? Social, social distancing and social isolation is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day and being an alcoholic. We would be better off sending our kids to homeroom with a pack and a half of cigarettes and a fifth of vodka. And to the CDC, excuse me for a second. You can only yell for so long in 90 degree heat without a sip of water. To the CDC, who came out two days ago and said what they said, I have some words for you to hell with you. in Vietnam with Agent Orange. We sprayed ourselves with DDT because men in power at agencies like the CDC and federal and state agencies told us it was safe and they lied to us. And I will be damned if I am going to let our government deploy protocols they used to break down prisoners of war against kindergartners in our classrooms. My father was U.S. Navy, my grandfather was U.S. Navy, and he had not one, but two ships bombed out from under him in World War II. And the second time he went down, he swam through seven miles of rough ocean, half of which was on fire, to get back to the beach. And you know what? Most of his colleagues, most of his brothers-in-arms in the military weren't so lucky. They didn't make it home. They did not make it home. I was raised, I was raised that you do not ever sell out the freedom that they died protecting. That's right. It is not going to happen on my watch. I got news for you folks. Our enemy today isn't foreign. Our enemy is not crawling through the jungles of Vietnam waiting to cut down a military chopper coming into a hot landing zone. They are not lying in wait like the Germans did for us, for our guys to get off the boats on D-Day and swim into the beaches of Normandy. Our enemy right now is right here on our own soil. It is here on our own soil in the form of mask wearing and social distancing for our children. It is here in the form of endless lockdowns that are breaking the back of the mothers and fathers and workers in this country 
And if we are going to truly honor the veterans and the men who died defending our freedom, we need to be prepared to take the same oath they did and to live it and die it. And that is, you better be prepared to protect and defend liberty and your country and your freedom and your United States Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I wanted to read this quote, which is pretty shocking, although I, I, I've always felt Kamala Harris was a really uh, screwed up person. Uh, she came from a life of privilege, two wealthy parents, very educated parents. I think one was a Jamaican and one was Indian and uh, not American Indian or Native American, but uh, Indian Indian. So she said, this is a quote, amazing, June 18, 2020. And once Trump's gone and we have regained our rightful place in the White House, isn't this amazing, rightful place? Look out if you supported Trump and endorsed his action because we're coming for you next. You will feel the vengeance of a nation. No stone will be left unturned. As we seek you out in every corner of this great nation, for it is you who have betrayed us. Is that an unbelievable statement? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I found my mask thing. Oh, shoot. There it went. I had it, and then, and then it went nuts. nuts on. Okay, let me read this to you. Then we'll get on to the last thing. <clears throat> masks, folks. Oh, shoot, the thing keeps popping off the screen, going crazy. Okay. Masks, folks, let a surgeon of 30 years, a.k.a. me, teach you about masks. COVID-19 virus, particle size, averages 125 nanometers. So if you want to write this down, take a pencil. It's 0.125 microns. 0.125 microns. This is the last time I'm talking about masks. I'm done with this. The particle mass, 125 nanometers. The range is 0.606 microns to 0.14 microns. One needs an electron microscope to see COVID-19 virus particle. And he's talking about the range of COVID-19 particles, 0.06 to 0.14. They come in different flavors, sizes. <coughs> the hoarded N95 mass filters, masks, filters down to 0.3 microns. So N95 masks block few, if any, virions, or what they, virion means a virus particle, virions. The N95 blocks few, if any. This is a simple fact, so you just cannot argue against it. Other surgical masks, Homemade masks and kerchiefs do the following. They allow the free passage both ways in and out of COVID-19 
19 virions, the particles. Number two, they become warm, damp, and uh, reservoir, a reservoir that holding place of COVID-19 particles and asymptomatic carriers, estimated to be about 85% today. For surgeons, years of training, intimidation, and humiliation teaches to touch nothing but our surgical field. Lay people constantly touch, rearrange, and manipulate their masks, wonderfully inoculating thousands of virus particles onto their bare and even worse gloved hands. So these absurd masks encourage the fomite transmission. That just means the infected particles hand-to-face transmission. So, go ahead and allow idiots to delude and mislead you to the false sense of security and danger of masks. The whole thing is a scam, people. I'm just telling you. The whole thing is a rotten scam, and the coronavirus is nothing but a different strain of the common cold. Do you ever wonder... You know, like what, <clears throat> I was talking to a guy the other day. He's a little bit younger than me, and he, we were talking about when we lined up. I lined up at the courthouse in downtown Marysville, and when we all lined up, all those kids, and they gave us a – you don't even see these in – in uh, it's too much germs. In, in uh, restaurants, they used to have these little containers, and they had sugar cubes in them. And now they just have sugar packets, right? It's more uh, sanitary. So – Kids would back then just love to eat sugar cubes. They'd just take the sugar cubes out and just eat them right, right out of the little bucket there on the, the table. But what they did is they put the, the uh, polio vaccine chemical in the sugar cube, and so they just gave it instead of a shot. They just took it orally. And uh, I did it at the courthouse. He said he did it, uh, my friend. At a, I don't know if it was a school. I can't remember where it was now. He told me, but he, I can't remember what he said. But it wasn't at the courthouse. The point is, uh, so they, but but if you notice, here we are um, almost 70 years later from the polio vaccine. And they never had a vaccine. You ever wondered why they didn't ever have a vaccine for the cold or the corona? It's because every it, it, you, there is no vaccine for it. It's constantly mutating, and there's constantly different strain. They just can't. There's different strains throughout the year. It's just a big humbug. And they have made a big move to overthrow the country and take control of the whole world, world government, by using and describing the common cold as if it was the Black Plague. I'm just telling you that's if you don't want to believe it's up to you. Your your life is going to be dictated by your belief system. And uh, you need to be it's your it's on you, dude. It's all on you. So I want to thank uh, my friend Dave Greenitz. Like I mentioned Ted Holmes earlier, Ted and Dave and I have worked together in uh, various types of church work all over the world and here for over 40 years. It's just an amazing thing. There's a whole handful of us. There's a bunch of us, actually. It started out as youngsters, and now we're all oldsters. And we're still at it. We're, we're flying here, flying there. If they wouldn't have COVID, I'd be flying to Vietnam in a couple of weeks. 
but they got me grounded, as they say. They grounded me. So I was talking to Dave at the, the meeting, church meeting. I think it was at a play recently, and he was telling me how if you're willing to wait, he's really busy. But if he's got several crews. But if you're willing to wait, he'll do you the best job in the area. <clears throat> so he does these amazing kitchen, kitchens and bathrooms. And, and bathrooms and, and like today, the miracle of today with technology is you don't have to take my word for it. Or you don't have to, I don't even have to describe it. You can just go see it without going and seeing it. You can go on the internet at Greenitz Construction, green with E-T-Z on the end, construction.com. Or you could go to his Facebook site at Dave Greenitz Construction, and you can look at before and after of various kitchens that hundreds, he's done hundreds and hundreds of kitchens and baths that are just unbelievable. He just takes a funky, old, stodgy bathroom or kitchen, and it just, it just you think, oh, my God, it changed the whole house. And the other thing, if you're having trouble, I hear people, oh, yeah, my air conditioning went out, thank God, or they're Googling or going on Facebook. Hey, you got a recommendation for an aircon guy? And so what Dave does is put, puts these, man, I, I don't even have air in my house, but it's tough on nights like this. But what happens is you turn that air conditioner on with that big unit outside when you have one, and you forget you left it on. And you drive and go to the store, and nobody's even in your house. You're just keeping the thing cooled down. That bill, don't you know, that bill gets up huge. PG&E's rates are going up. They're going to double, right? And um, so Dave has these whole house vans where they put in the attic, and the whole idea is they suck the hot air out of the attic and the house and send it outdoors. And it draws cool air at the middle of the night as well. So it's a very cool deal, and it's not too expensive, but it, it cuts your utility bill way down because you don't need to use that big unit so much. So you can check him out there. You can e email him off those sites, or if you want to call him up and you want to talk to him personally because you don't have to go through a lot of bureaucracy like you do with the government, when you dial him up, you get him. 530-682-9602. And uh, like I say, you're going to get him. If you get voicemail, once in a very long while, I get voicemail. But then he's back to me in just minutes because he's the main guy. And um, just like if you call trauma intervention on our line, you'll get me 24 hours a day. We just operate differently, right, than a lot of people today. So, uh, okay. That is that. And I wanted to, let's see what I got here for left to talk about. Uh Okay, I wrote an article, and I'm going to, about uh, Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci appears to me, he's the, the fellow that's a little, looks appears to be short, gray hair, 79-year-old guy, the, the guy that's been involved with the National Institute of Health and CDC, all those people, for years. His whole career has been with government. And he appears with Deborah Burks, B-I-R-X, and uh, they appear to be these independent, unbiased, pure science people. Uh, it's a total crock of crap. It's a show. 
And Tony keeps changing the uh, story on this virus. One day you need masks, the next day you don't. One day, one day you need social distance, and the next day you don't. <clears throat> and the CDC has, you know, we've talked about the swamp. The CDC, you think, oh, they're scientists, man. They've got to be just true blue, honorable people. They're taking care of our health, for goodness sakes. They wouldn't jack us around now, would they? Yep, they would. CDC gave some really bad advice. They jerked people around. They were bureaucratic, and they caused... Even though the whole thing, if they did nothing, we would have been fine. They did nothing but the virus. But anyway, we have this whole thing that we've played along. You got all these connections between Tony Fauci, Deborah Burks, and Bill Gates, Microsoft Bill Gates, who's trying to vaccine the world, vaccinate the world. Bill Gates' daughter, uh, excuse me, Deborah Burke's daughter, Laura Burks, works for Bill Gates. I mean, there's all kinds of connections here. There's nothing wrong with it. I have friends that work for other friends, and their daughters work for other friends. No big deal. It gets to be a big deal when they're not telling the whole story. And the real goal here is to begin to manage everybody's health and to control their lives through the management of their health and come in and stick stuff up your nose, vaccinate your children against your against your permission uh, and then convince you to take out vaccinations that are going to stop the common cold. It's just BS, right? It's BS. So I wrote this article and I said, you know, Tony, Tony uh, Fauci, the Mr. Science superhero cast to do what no other could do. And that is to eradicate the common cold has declared that America Americans are anti-science and anti-authority. Are you? He blames the public's rebelliousness for his failure to stop the nemesis. However, Americans have been smelling a rat, and it's coming from Tony, Deborah Burks, and Bill Gates. Their goals from the very start were population control and mass vaccinations. But let's play along with Fauci's argument or his contention. Americans once had a love affair with science until they didn't. They honored and respected the profession. So what has changed? Science went whoring after wealth and political agendas, breaking with its financial backer, the general public. Science sacrificed fidelity, honesty, and transparency, thereby cheating on its partner. It descended into faux, F-A-U-X, or junk science now used to push social agendas. For more than 150 years, students have been force-fed Charles Darwin malarkey that humans actually came from monkeys. Darwin and his peers were racist, anti-God, eugenicists. That means they felt more one ethnic group was privileged or better than another, and we ought to eliminate the others. Anti-God eugenists, believing that black people were less evolved, more closely resembling their primate cousins. School teachers conveniently left out the racist bent of evolution thinkers. While Darwin's suggested link between humans and primates has never been found, numerous scientists, quotes around it, have fabricated finds, quotes around it, to prove Darwin correct and garner riches in Fauci-like celebrity status. Upon closer examination, however, the scientists instead were exposed as charlatans. Fauci's days in the limelight are numbered as well, as he has compromised his ethics and maybe the law. 
There is no science that says masks protect the wearer on or those nearby from getting a virus. In fact, masks are hazardous to your health, according to the doctors and government OSHA and Department of Labor websites. Isolating well people and social distancing compromises healthy immune systems. Fauci butthurt because his social engineering quest was rejected, even blames the anti-vaccine movement. However, most Americans are not anti-all vaccines, but rather oppose toxic vaccines, the overuse of vaccines, and vaccines forced on the public where scientists and pharmaceutical companies have immunity to lawsuits. The Birch Bayh Dole Amendment in 1980 allowed taxpayer-funded scientists and entities with government research contacts to own and financially benefit from their discoveries after you pay them to do it and their inventions, and also to have immunity for their medical failures. In fact, our deep-pocket government now assumes the liability for those failures, but have you ever tried to get paid by the government for damages? The law change made scientists financially wealthy. It encouraged them to rush to get patents, putting products on the market, though not fully vetted. The developments made scientists rich and vulnerable to all the wrong motives to bring forth new drugs. Fauci can't comprehend the public public's current lack of faith in science. I'm going to tell you a number of things right now. I'm going to have to go through quick because we're running out of time. But these are all things that we were promised would happen, and they never have happened. One of the top professors in the 60s and 70s was Paul Ehrlich at Stanford. He promised that in the 70s and 80s, due to overpopulation, we were going to have fantastic famines. And he, along with Gates today, wanted immediate action to limit limit population growth by birth control, sex selection, abortion, and sterilization. Ehrlich wanted to add sterilants to the water supply. Can you imagine? Or to our staple foods like flour. Gates drug companies add sterilants to some vaccines in the world. Ehrlich became famous, but his predictions were 100% wrong. Scientists that are atheists like to mock the faith community. However, global warming, oops, climate change, advocates need blind faith. A 30-second internet search can locate this article. Wrong way. Wrong again. 50 years of failed eco-apocalyptic predictions. And numerous other articles discrediting junk science and the professors swearing we need to surrender our freedom so governor, government can save us. Here's a sampling of predictions from our scientists. The ice cap will be gone by 2014. Here's another one. It will kill the polar bears. Tides will rise to flood Manhattan, and there's a coming ice age by the 21st century due to pollution blocking out the sun. How about the disappearing ozone layer? Remember that? Or acid rain will be our end. Oceans will be one to six feet increasing, the height, the tides. It will be hot for so long with no rain that new children coming about won't even know what the word means. In May 2014, there will be 500 days, just 500 days left to avoid climate chaos. 
The solution is to abandon plastic straws, they tell us, and single-use plastic bags. If you would just recycle, sell our fossil fuel cars for mass transit, and abandon our rural home for a stack-and-pack apartment. Science, with quotes, tells us more nonsense, like trade in the most cost-effective and efficient power sources in the world, fossil, hydro, and nuclear, for solar and wind, both of which are horribly ineffective and expensive and are dependent on fossil fuel to function. Fauci wants us to trust scientists who are repeatedly caught falsifying data to support their objectives. Attending church is COVID positive, and Home Depot is COVID negative. Fauciites even destroy the careers of naysayer scientists, and they seem more interested in stardom, money, and social agendas than real science nowadays. Well, that's the end of our show today, our episode. So we will see you, Lord willing, next week. So pay attention to people you come across this week. And if you come across a stranger, be careful to treat treat them kindly because it may be an angel unaware. Thank you very much. Okay. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sugar to kiss. Sugar to kiss.